I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, December 21st, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Monitor. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon here this week with Justin Wagner and Jarrett McKenzie. Jarrett, right. the man McKenzie. It's been a while. It's been glad a to be back. Oh yeah, I'm glad to have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it seems that way in the future or not, I mean, <laughs> you and I always go with each other a little bit. Oh yeah, it's always an interesting show when we got got us both on here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jarrett is a uh, financial planner in our financial planning department. Not really his title; he's an associate, but uh, he does hold the uh, CFP. Uh, he is a CFP certificate. That's right. CFP board would be proud of you for I'm sure. using terminology I, so well. Man, I, I'm trying to trying to do well with that's a certified financial planner. That's right. Uh, he also holds the certified wealth strategist designation. Not missing any, right? No, no, that's good. Right. That's a enough, lot of letters. Enough yeah, alphabet soup for me. And uh, Justin, Justin works in our uh, 401k division, our retirement planning division um, for for those individuals that are saving, which is the most common way saving through their retirement plan attached to their employer. That's correct. And uh, Justin, I know you've got a designation, but I'll be honest with you, man, I couldn't tell you right off what it is. AIF, it's an accredited investment fiduciary. Oh, wow. And tell me what that all that, means. That last word, fiduciaries, is the most important the piece. Most important. It is. sounds really fancy. So, <laughs> I mean, I hate to put you on the spot because I know we hadn't talked about this. What is a fiduciary? So, when you have a plan, it's basically an individual that's responsible for making sure the plan is run smoothly. You have a fiduciary duty to the plan itself, the participants, the sponsor that's sponsoring the plan. There's several fiduciary involved in the plan. Right. Which is essentially putting all of their interests before your own. Yours. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you, Which is uh, what we do on the individual side yeah. as well. Right. Yeah, as a firm as a whole, we adhere right. to that fiduciary standard. And Absolutely. That's that's kind of the plan for a registered investment advisory firm, which is what we are, hence mm-hmm. we're financial. And, uh, um, you know, basically it's just as you said, fiduciary means that the client comes first. Uh, you can't uh, get out there and make deals that are going to benefit you pretty much in the least. You yeah. do the best thing for the client uh, when it comes to expenses and, you know, pretty much anything that when you, you know, help you, them make decisions. You think it, that goes unsaid, <clears throat> but quite frankly, it, it doesn't. Industry-wide, yeah, the vast majority of the industry doesn't adhere to the fiduciary standard because they're correct. not, they're not, required to yeah so it's well i know the department of labor has been really harking on this lately 
which kind of evens the playing field in our minds, uh, mm-hmm. gets other people to, to have to play along with us. So if it's retirement related, yeah. you can bet that if the uh, uh, Department of Labor is is definitely making uh, making their their uh, wishes known that everyone should be fiduciary. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Um, uh, I just in passing, I am again Troy Harmon. I am the chief investment officer at Hensler Financial, and I have a uh, CFA designation. I'm a CFA charter holder, yep. chartered financial analyst, and uh, also certified valuation analyst. So um, I'm looking at numbers most of the time. I'm happy being locked in a dark corner with a bunch of numbers and uh, picking all the winners, right? Well, that's, the other guys that's pick the, the losers. You only <laughs> well, pick the winners. Of course. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, the first thing I tell my interns when they come on is uh, just remember: if it goes wrong, it's your fault. If it goes right, it's <laughs> mine. It's mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. As long as everybody at least you get that, that out up front. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I mean, you know, full <laughs> disclosure. Let's let's all understand that. But. Uh, Let's talk a little about the financial markets uh, year to date, and we're not quite through yet. Um, S and P 500 up 30.36 percent. Wow! And uh, just in the past week, um, we've added 1.17 percent. So uh, things are good. Strangely enough, yeah. utilities have led the way higher. Usually. Utilities lead when the market is negative, mm-hmm. um, but you know a little bit of, of uh, interest rate pressure has utilities up 2.83 percent this week. Real estate up 2.14 percent. Uh, information technology, which just doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon, up 1.88 percent. Now, if you look at the the year-to-date numbers. As I said, S&P 500 up 30.36. Information technology, 47.92% this year. Is that all? That's all. Kidding me? Yeah. Um, yeah, that just doesn't stop. Which, you know what, and we've talked about this on a previous show before, is really starting to skew these index funds mm-hmm. that there's no rebalancing of. So, you know, as, as sectors like information technology are doing that, they're becoming a greater weighted part of that index. And so we'll, we'll likely suffer more in the event of a downturn if if IT in general does than what they otherwise would and that's going to be it's almost reminiscent of the dot com era even though we're not really in that same type of situation here but you you look at the lead up to that and then what happened during that time and if you think about what that would mean today if something like that came along or there was anything even remotely close to it and IT saw the downfall that it did that, that is going to be incredible for these exchange traded funds, these ETFs that have become so, they've just saturated the market. And that's what's happening with a lot of them. The the conversations I'm having with people about them are really focused on that piece of there is no rebalancing here. So yeah, the fund's doing well. Oh, it rebalances as long as it's uh, following along in the yeah. in the proper weight according to the S&P 500. Well, it gets no, no touch, and so it would great. always yeah. about what we do here. I mean, the individual right. equity selection and holdings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can we can help a lot of that. Right. Yeah. It's not only selection, but also allocation. Right. And, yeah. and the difference in the two, the selection is the individual stocks within the sector, and the mm-hmm. allocation is how much weight of the sector makes up your portfolio. Yeah. So... Yeah, we're we're active in both manners. Uh, you know, to your point, Justin, and and uh, you know, think about this. In 1990, I've talked about this before. In 1990, the 
information technology sector made up less than 5% of the overall S&P 500. Today, it's well over 20%. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean... Not surprising, though, as far as technology is concerned. Jared, your point, that was prior to the tech bubble Mm -hmm. and subsequent burst. Mm -hmm. And what was strange about the tech bubble is they weren't alone. I mean, because we were getting the Internet and who was controlling the Internet... Telecommunications companies. <laughs> that was we also saw. prior to mm-hmm. index funds, too. Yeah. Uh, it was prior right. to index funds, I mean, that's prior well, to the Internet, really. Right. Uh, and what happened when the Internet came on? We saw commissions fall from 20s, 30s mm-hmm. per trade to what are they today? Nothing. Uh, zero, and that's just been in the last few months. Yeah. Yeah. Technology has changed a lot. It's not surprising to me that it has grown as a, as a uh, portion of the market and a portion of our lives. Um, but it it really is one of those things that you always have to watch valuations you know get uh, get a little stretched and uh, let's let's face it guys today uh, with us so close to the end of the year and looking at what goes on next in 2020 that's going to be a big part of the show so we're looking at uh, at fleshing out a little bit of what's going on kind of our opinions and thoughts uh, on where we're going in the market, and maybe a few things that uh, that you might do year-end house cleaning, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, trying to take care of things that might need to be done uh, before the year's out. But uh, finishing up the thought on what has gone on with the S&P 500 uh, year-to-date, in the basement, energy is up 9.86. Now, it's funny to me that that's the basement. <laughs> because our annual average return on the S&P 500 since 1925 around mm-hmm. 10.5%. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, you know, it's it's uh that's that's pretty solid at the basement dwell yeah. 9.68 or 86 rather. And uh what's a little bit strange to me is the fact that um, you know, over the last week that's only 0.71 has been added to that, but energy has kind of dragged Pretty much all year long. Uh, One of the things that I, as I was reviewing 2019, um, you know, I I threw this out at a meeting earlier. Jarrett, you were in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Um, September 14th, we saw uh, an alleged Iranian attack on Saudi Arabia that that, uh, you can say damaged at least Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly 25% of their productive capacity. Uh, in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is the you know the the big um, powerhouse in the oil energy yeah. industry, if you will. Um, so when you see something like that, what we see, oil prices spiked over fourteen and a half percent overnight. Mm-hmm. They have since trickled back, you know, to where they were more or less prior to yeah. uh, prior to that issue. But uh, in the offing. Energy in a year that that happens is only up nine point eight six percent. It is the it's the laggard in the bunch. So yeah, probably uh, the most appropriately priced though, wouldn't you say? I mean, everything else seems to be getting so excessive. Yeah, look so at some of these prices. It's funny you bring that up. Um, I tell you what, Jarrett, let's uh, hold that for another segment. Yeah. When we come back, we will talk about just what has happened in uh, two thousand nineteen. Um, and where maybe we're some valuation, some where we're headed. Yeah. First of all, we'll get a dog of the week. When we hey, that sounds back. good. All right. Well, we'll uh, be right back. You're listening to Money Talks. Stick around. Money Talks. We'll be right back.
This is the dog. The dog of the week. All right, dog of the week this week. Jared, you might not like this one. I don't know, man. Oh, goodness. It's, uh, it's employer's answer to technology. It seems that uh, employers have called for a new product in the market to keep people from going to the very popular spot. I know what you're talking about. In <laughs> the, in the awesome. office. Yes. To tweet and text and... You know, nap the break room. Look over the look over the, the internet. No, it's the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I figured as much. <laughs> so, well, so what? So they're trying to. So uh, a British startup called Standard Toilet has come out with a newly designed toilet that's got a 13 degree tilt angle. <laughs> Instead of flat, the seat tilts down at a 13 degree <laughs> angle. They say that if employees sit on this more than five minutes. It gets painful. So, so instead no more of going long bathroom breaks for you, uh, yeah. Mr. McKenzie. <laughs> hey, uh, I wish I had the time. Okay. Uh, the, the, the the company's website say it says that uh, the toilet costs two hundred to six fifty. Um, it is meant to improve efficiency for companies. So productivity yeah. is going up. How are you going to improve efficiency if you don't have any employees? They're all going to quit. I, I mean, if everybody goes to it, you you still need some income, yeah. right? If everybody quits too, Boy, so we're going to have income. a sit out a sit out strike. Yeah. Is Literally. that what you're? Calling? I got to draw the draw the line <laughs> somewhere. We're yeah. drawing the line somewhere. I guess. You know? I mean, but you know, it's uh, it's an interesting um, answer to to a modern day problem, is it not? It is. I mean, it's pretty clever. Uh, you know, since the turlet moved inside in about what <laughs> 1940. This is going to be the first time that, that we had to, to make an adjustment, a, a change. I, you know, we reduced the amount of water to, mm-hmm. to make it more green. That's been a few right. years in the making. But, they, you know, that's old news. I think We've everybody's gone to, got like, it. microbial seats on top as well, antimicrobial seats. So now yeah, we've gone to... Yeah, so it's to, cleaner. Right. So now we've gone to, all right, we're going to keep you... On this thing as short as possible. That's right. So we're going to make it where you fall off if you stay on too long. Oh, yeah, or, or your legs. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see people walking around the office with some huge legs. It's a great <laughs> workout, right? That's right. What are you doing? I'm going to go work out oh, for about five man. or ten yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. More, more than five. I mean, <laughs> it's going to take ten minutes before the workout to kick in based on the numbers they're talking about. Everybody's just busting out of their yeah. pants. You know, Jared, you could, you, could, uh, you could break this one wide open. How about oh. a wall squat toilet? I mean, you could really go into, I mean, who's going to do a wall squat for five minutes? Nobody. I don't know. So, I mean, that's the thing. That's what you do if if you want to run people off. If this 13-degree slanted toilet doesn't work, then we're going to move, we'll move further on. But, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, back in the days of alternative music. You could have the (laughs) alternative toilet to the alternative toilet. Back in the days of alternative music. I'm pretty sure that's still a thing. Yeah, but it was 1990 when all this started. I mean, you know, right? I mean, this was like Nirvana ushered in, ushered in alternative music. Standard Toilet just ushered in alternative toilets. It's not exactly Standard Oil. I mean, how do we get from Standard Oil standard to <laughs> Standard Toilets? I mean, we really <laughs> thought we were advancing <laughs> as an economy, but my gosh. Well, you know, I know you, well, but you said it was a British company. Is it that, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, British company. They're... they're uh, Really, uh, 
ramping up the the uh, the need for a new toilet. It's, it's usually, you know what's weird? It's usually the Japanese that are so enamored by the toilet. I don't know why, but I mean, I've talked about on this show, um, there there are museums mm-hmm. made for the toilet, and, you know, they have all kind of weird things go on. In fact, you go in uh, to this museum in, in Japan, and you, everybody, like a 30-party um a 30 member party will go in and every one of them sits on the toilet to start the start the tour of the museum it's the, there are some weird things out there i'm kind of surprised this one came from the uk and not from japan but maybe they're uh, maybe they're on something i don't know <laughs> all right so let's get back to our finance discussion uh we've already mentioned s&p 500 is up uh huge on the year Let's talk a little about some of the other asset classes. I know, um, Justin, it's one of the things that you talk about. As a fiduciary um, in a 401k plan, one of the big things is to make sure that there's access to multiple asset classes so that an individual can get a well-diversified portfolio. So why not cover some of those others? Uh, S&P 500 was up big. Now, these are numbers through Monday, uh, I guess this is... Tuesday, the night, or the eight, or Wednesday, the 18th. Sorry, I'll catch it right in a minute. Uh, mid caps up 42.5%. Um, that's uh, that's not the right number. That's through. That's under Trump's administration. I'll get to those in a minute. Uh, but um, <coughs> see if I can get this right. Here we go. Uh, fun listening to to a guy fumble and bumble and stumble <laughs> on air. Right, well, the year end, we got a lot of different numbers to uh, sift through here. Yeah, here we go. Mid caps, twenty five point zero four percent year to date in two thousand nineteen uh, through the eighteenth of December. Small caps, twenty two point four percent. International developed, which means usually large cap. This is going to be uh, mostly companies in in uh, Europe. Um, you know, Japan, uh, anything outside of the U.S. in a developed nation, 21.79%. These are all total return numbers, which means that they include um, they include the uh, dividend. Uh, emerging markets up 17.9%. So it did lag the large cap domestic by 12% approximately in uh, 2019. I know... Um, you know, we have really been cutting back on both emerging markets and small caps since we saw our, that late 2018 downturn and we saw that those companies were really weak on the rebound. Uh, this is pretty much indicative of what happened then. Now, uh, the bond index, this is the Barclays U.S. aggregate bond index. It's going to include treasuries, uh, some municipals as well as credit or corporate bonds. Jarrett, do you care to guess what we're up on the total, bond re- total return on the year? Yeah, on bonds. Hmm. On the spot. Come on, man. 8%. You can, yeah, you cheated. It's no, actually 8.5. 8.46. Oh, 8. Well, I've just been having to look at it more lately because there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, the interest rate environment and kind of what, what it's been doing. And yeah. people, there's, I think there's some, just some misconception about really, you know, what's going on there. And also 
there's also become seemingly a stigma about fixed income in general where I, we've been in this bull market for so long. I can't tell you how many times lately I've said to clients, I know that these these yields, these returns on fixed income and whatnot don't look attractive right now, but that's because you've forgotten what it's like to be down 20 or 30%. Tell me what a 2 or 3% return in a year looks like when it's down 30%. Yeah. You'd be glad that you have that. So it, yeah. there's there's just this... Uh, tendency, I think, these days with where the market's come and where it's at now to sort of really view it in, with that stigma, but it shouldn't be, right. especially considering what you just said with, yeah. with the returns been. Well, one of the things that I like to do is look at returns from other spots, not just a year-over-year year year basis, because in my opinion, the market really doesn't care what day it is. Uh, there are certain seasonal effects in the market, but, um, you know, we, we lost... Uh, almost 20% from September 20th of 2018 down to December 24th of 2018. So looking at what has happened since the top of that, before that decline, uh, is is pretty telling in my opinion. S&P 500 since September 20th, 2018 is up 11.65%. So uh, we did hit new all-time highs on several occasions in 2019. Um, you know, we eclipsed the previous top by 11.65. Um, mid caps are only up 2.18. Small caps down 3.79. They never really rebounded as much as the rest of the market. Uh, international developed, these are larger companies again, 6.4% higher. And then emerging markets are up 10.46%. And much of that came in the last 90 days actually, for emerging markets. Are we seeing a shift with the small caps, or is that, you think, more of an anomaly with just the rebound since, you know, the end of last year? I think it's risk, kind of risk-related. In fact, we had lots of folks talking. I was one of them, uh, you know, about the way that uh, the economy looked at the time mm -hmm. and uh, and the fact that, um, you know, these stocks didn't act properly or didn't act as, as I would have expected in a rebound. Uh, and like I say, we, we recommended clients remove some of that exposure to emerging markets and small caps. Let me leave you with this last number. So I told you S&P 500 up 11.65%. Mm -hmm. The bond index, you want to guess on that one? Since when? September 20, 2018. Oh, gosh. Oh. I don't have any ideas. Like it's a up 10.51%. in a you know, a little more than a year on the bond index, almost beating equities. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's what I would say, too. It's what I said when I ran into that. All right, guys, let's take a real quick break. When we get back, we'll talk some more about year-end investing and what's First going on in 2020. I'm going to say all the words inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that things have been. When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. 
When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Justin Wagner. Justin, who is that? Oh, yeah, Wagner. <laughs> Justin <laughs> Wagner. Yeah, it's the old days, oh, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I mean, I, I say what up, fam, and we all that. Just trying to keep me keep me fresh and, you know. I mean, you are the oldest person by far in this room. In this room, yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm not twice as old as you, but no. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't, I I, I don't see your last name. You make out like I've lost my mind, (laughs) and then you attack me for being old. You say that's that's why you got chief before your name. Uh, Well, here's the thing. It's hard to get experience while you're as young as you guys. It, I mean, it takes a little living. I mean, I got five kids, though. So that you can call it. You can call it what you want. No, no, no. That just makes you <laughs> senile <laughs> earlier. Yeah. Among other things. That uh, is, yeah. That's stress. That's yeah. not experience. That's here. right. Anyway, yeah, no, that's uh, the truth. We've been talking about uh, 2019 and recent returns, and and uh, you know we threw out um, before the break how the the bond market is almost. Done as well as the the large cap stock market, which large cap stocks, domestic stocks have uh, have basically led the way um, in in recent years. Um, although they were negative in 2018, down 4.37 percent. If you go over the last two years, we're still you know up about I think it's around 8 percent, something like that, over the last two years annualized. So um, the big return we've had in 2019 has, has uh, obviously eclipsed the decline that we had. Actually, we had two pretty significant declines in 2018. One early February and then that one from September through December. Um, so uh, it, it really is strange. Um, I would add to the fact that bonds have been up since uh, September 20th of 2018 by 10.5%. That the yield, which is what everybody looks at, has only been 2.7% on that same mm-hmm. uh, U.S. aggregate bond index that I'm quoting there. So, um, you know, it's it's not only about the yield. We had three rate cuts in 2019. Uh, many banks went into the year thinking that, uh, that we were going to have yield increases because December of 2018, remember, that was part of the worry that drove the market down was the fact that we were going to have this. Well, we that was almost a, the singular cause of yeah, what we were going to have another that. rate cut or a rate increase rather, and mm-hmm. we did. And and part of it, I've talked about being political. It's somewhat a bother to me that you see the politi- politicalization of a financial concept that really should never have anything political on it. We saw President Trump go out and talk about you know, how he thought the Fed should pause or cut rates instead of raising interest rates. This was before that decision was made. And while they might tell us that they they uh, didn't consider that, I can't really help but believe that it was a thumb in the eye. And it wasn't for any other purpose except for the fact that he was trying to 
you know, make a make a situation political that had no business being. So, um, well, it was kind of good to see though the Fed chairman. Uh, while I think you're right, it was certainly done out of some spite. Probably shouldn't have been, and and the market actually has told you that it was it was not, not the right. Idea. Yeah, but yeah. to to maintain the idea of that, you know, the Fed being an independent body, which is it's supposed to be, right, and and not being affected by what the presidential, you know, or the administration is yeah. saying. This or any other administration. Exactly. Right? And I think he didn't want he didn't want it to look like he was just going with he was he was succumbing to President Trump's pressure of right. doing what he wanted him to do, but but clearly whether that was the case or not, it's clear that the the move to increase rates prior to that quarter was was a big factor in driving it down. Yeah, I believe so. so yeah, so you know the fears of of uh, potential economic slowing and a and a rate increase. Of course, uh, we've had three rate cuts at a period when we've also had uh, all time highs. That's pretty rare too. Mm-hmm. Usually, you see rate interest rate increases to slow down a market like this. But we've had we've had prices going higher and inflation pretty much in check. Yeah. So why is it again that we're the, trying to I mean we're trying to trying to juice inflation mm-hmm. when we have a market at all time highs? It's, it really is seems like it's disconnected. There's a lot a of uniqueness going on. I you know, I was just with some clients that I was telling it's not often that you see home values where they are while interest rates are where they are. Right. You know, I mean for them to be at, at nearly all time lows, if if not at all time lows at this point to still have the home values come roaring back as they've done since the financial crisis. I, there's not many times in history you can look at and see that they've been that strong, the, the home values, that is. Right. And interest rates as low as they are. So I think that's the case in a lot of different aspects across the board right now for whatever reason. And yeah. you're right. I mean, why are we juicing? Yeah. Well, well, they continue to fall is really the the more the more pertinent situation. So, <clears throat> you know, you would usually expect that that uh, lower interest rates are meant to to stimulate growth, um, and higher interest rates are usually used to keep inflation in check. But we've got inflation below the Fed's target at two percent. Uh, if you look at CPI recently, we saw two point one percent in inflation. Uh, again, according to the Consumer Price Index, but the PCE deflator, which is the the measure that the Fed uses for their decision making, is still below that two percent. So um, we did see the needle move a bit recently. Uh, we do get uh, you know a, a, a GDP measure, <clears throat> and uh, once we see that, we'll see the the PCE deflator as well. But current situation is not really too bad. I've talked about you know issues with uh, with valuation, valuation in the S&P 500 is still very stretched, mm-hmm. uh, about 27.5% higher when you talk about trailing 12-month P.E., price-to-earnings ratio, is about 27% above its long-term average. Now, the market participants quite often will tell you that the forward P.E. is a better measure, but um, I, I really do believe that... Uh, uh, you know, if you believe that, then uh, growth is on the horizon. I'm not mm-hmm. so sure that uh, that that's going to be the case. But if you think about low interest rates, that's usually uh, one of the factors that you have to, to consider to have uh, good growth. Um, one of the other positives that we have right now is uh, unemployment, very low, 3.5%, which is oh, below yeah. what we would normally consider as 
as uh, you know, fully in full employment. Yeah, which is closer to what four, fourish? Yeah, usually four. Uh, I've heard four, four and a half, yeah. five even, but five's been a while. So <laughs> I think we've gotten so accustomed to it being this low. Maybe we've even moved what we consider <laughs> full employment. Sure. But uh, you know, the the thing is, everybody that wants a job pretty much has a job. Um, and not only that, personal income is growing by a significant margin over inflation. So people's incomes are growing faster than inflation. The consumer's happy. Consumption mm-hmm. makes up almost 70% of our gross domestic product. Mm-hmm. When you have a situation like this, you know you should normally expect that we're going to have uh, we're going to have growth going forward as yeah. long as that consumer stays employed. Well, they are. I mean, I think sentiment and spending on the part of the consumer is about as yeah. high as it's been in a really long time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and looking good. To have all that still be the case, I mean, to your point, there's all these other indicators, you know, whether it be inflation or interest rates and, and them being appropriate, unemployment, consumer sentiment, consumer spending, all of that is really, it looks very healthy right now, and, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of concern on well, those parts. Well, <clears throat> there, there's a couple of things that I would say to that. Uh, a guy like me who sits around looking at these numbers all the time, uh, first of all, it's kind of like I've, I've made the correlation to it's like playing king of the hill. It, when you're the <laughs> king of the hill, when you're at the top, there's only one direction to go. Oh, yeah. And uh, unemployment being as low as it is, it can only get worse from here, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I sit around and, and worry probably more than is, is uh, um, warranted. But uh, we've got an election coming up in 2020. Uh, it'll be fun to watch the, the markets. They generally do a pretty good job of uh, indicating uh, elections in as much as if they're higher coming into the election in the, in the few months prior to uh, they can they can be a good indicator as to you know the party at least that's going to be in power. Uh, positive markets mean party in power stays in power. Negative markets usually mean that we're going to have a regime change. Um, I will talk a little more about that and give you guys the number that I believe that we're likely to hit in 2020 when we come back. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. Money Talks from Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and uh, old Justin, what's his name? Mm-hmm. I mean, Justin Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I figure, you know, you make a make a little mistake, a guy jumps all over you. I mean, hey. you know, yes, I'm old. At least you uh, don't forget it twice. Not everybody's perfect. It's well, okay. here's the thing, Justin. you got to understand something. People are usually a lot, a lot nicer than that. They don't beat up on old people. <laughs> Wasn't beaten up on you. I felt I felt <laughs> abused. Is that how you feel? Yes. Really? Yes. Are, oh, let's, are let's, we gonna let you want me to get, get into our feelings? <laughs> you want me to get on the couch right. and start telling go. you all about my feelings? <laughs> all right. Uh, if you have financial questions, which is really the point of our show, I promise. <laughs> not feelings. Uh, yeah, not feelings at all. Um, you can give us a call. 
Our question hotline number is one eight five five four two nine nine one six six. You call in, listen to our uh, recording, leave your recording, including your question behind that. Uh, we'll play it on the air and answer your question on the air. Uh, if you prefer to call and speak to a human, you can call 770-429-9166. Uh, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, who is uh, our producer. Uh, you'll be patched through to her. She'll talk to you, get your question, and get it to us so that we can answer it on the air. Or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, if you want to peruse our, our website, which has lots of information downloaded, it is hensler.com, spelled in the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you and uh, help you answer any issues you might have financially. Uh, if you want to get in touch with these guys, uh, Justin or Jarrett, you can call that same number, 770-429-9166. You know, if it's uh, concerning 401Ks, uh, employment, retirement type accounts, Justin is your guy. And if it's about financial planning in general, Jarrett can help you with that as well. Either one of these guys could probably answer just about any question that you've got. And if they can't, they know somebody. That's right. Which is a good thing. Like Troy. Some depth. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, got a pretty deep bench here. Yeah, it? there you go. No doubt. And uh, not only that, but a diverse uh, array of services in the financial world as well. So um, Absolutely. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so... I guess I don't have a drum roll, but I will tell you that what I think is more likely in 2020 than the long-term 10.5% average or 30% like we see in 2019 or even, you know, the negative 4.37 that we saw in 2018, I, I think we're more likely to see, uh, you know, a slightly positive market. But I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to throw out um, some huge number uh, you know, we did see an impeachment this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Jarrett, you were talking about some, some numbers following the two prior impeachments of presidents, uh, and they were positive in the year following Yeah. Uh, in, in both instances. Um, you know, the, the thing that uh, I will tell you is um, equity markets are very volatile. It's very difficult to forecast what's going to happen, especially in the short term, year to year. Uh, we know over the long term it gets a little easier to to uh, make a call on, on returns. Um, part of it is the fact that uh, inflation plays into higher prices. Higher prices become the revenues of corporations. Those corporations, uh, when they get higher revenues, they often more of the, the income makes it to the bottom line. So earnings grow. Mm -hmm. And uh, when earnings grow, we have this thing called the price-to-earnings ratio. As I've said, it's around 16.5% long-term on average. Uh, right for the S&P? For the S&P, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and um, you know, it's a little higher for some of the smaller companies, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, what we see right now is uh, a little bit... Uh, in, we see inflation in the price of the S&P 500 according to the price-to-earnings ratio. We've got events that could be volatile or cause volatility coming up. Uh, trade war still somewhat ongoing, although we have a reported, you know, early uh, 
yeah. level one, round one, whatever you want to call Moving it. in the right direction. Uh, yeah, seems mm-hmm. to be. And then we have an election. So um, you can follow along at home, but if, if you see the markets rising coming into the election, then, you know, it's, it's probably a positive sign for the party in power. Uh, if it starts declining leading up to the election in, the, you know, three or four months prior to, then uh, you might start considering what happens if, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a regime change, if you will. Well, would it be fair to say the risk at this point is to the downside? Uh, yeah, absolutely. When you right. have valuations that are that are where we're at. built, and and not only that, I mean that's part of the reason that I talk about the market be or the economy being like playing king of the hill. I mean, right. you know, where do you go to get um, uh, unemployment lower than three and a half percent? This is pretty pretty historical uh, levels right now. So, yeah. um, I, I would I would say around five percent. If you want me to be put my CFA hat on, and and talk about uh, kind of what uh, a, a broader potential outcome probably, and this is no fun, I know, so 10% loss to maybe a 15% gain uh, if I'm trying to reduce the uh, the uh, overconfidence in a, in a uh, forecast. That's what I would do. Um, but, you know, again, the reason that we talk about the 10-year rule is because equities are so difficult to forecast in the short term. Let me flesh that out for just a second, and then I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions. But the 10-year rule basically states that any money that you have that you will need to spend from your assets, from your long-term savings over the next 10 years, should be held in high-quality bonds. No, it's not bond funds, but individual bonds. Mm. Um, and the reason behind that is the volatility in the bond market is much lower. And we just fleshed out the fact that over... You know, a very volatile period over the last year and a half, we saw bonds return 10.5%, while the market also returned about 11 and change, right? So um, that is, in a nutshell, the 10-year rule on the fixed income side. So any money that you don't need for the next 10 years, we recommend should be invested in the equities market. While they are volatile, we know over long periods of time, 10 years or more, uh, we have seen only two instances of those 10-year rolling periods over the last 80-some years, since 1925. uh, We've only seen two instances where um, there was a negative return. And I want to expand on that real quick because you talk about the 10-year rule, and a lot of people who listen to this show may have a 401k plan. Yeah, most have a 401k Mm -hmm. or some type of retirement plan. The amount of phone calls I have received in the last month or two with people who are not just within 10 years, but within five years from retirement mm. that have been invested too conservatively, that now all of a sudden want to get more equity exposure. Right. That is the problem that we're dealing with. And yeah. I'm sure that you mm-hmm. all are hearing a lot of the same thing. Yeah, and now, as you may, as you mentioned, Justin, uh, is not really the time to be taking on more risk. No. Mm. I mm. would say rebalance your portfolio, make sure that your fixed income is where it should be uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, not only because the the equities are not only they're so expensive right now, right. but also selling those, trimming those back for the liquidity coverage on the ten year old like you're talking about. I was just telling the clients I was with before our show today, you are much more likely to look back and say, "I'm glad I sold right now" or "When I did," yeah. than you are to look back and say, "I wish I hadn't have sold." So yep. if you have needs for fixed income because of liquidity and the market's up thirty percent in a year and, and basically at all time highs. 
you should most definitely be moving to fixed income to at least the extent that you're covering for your liquidity because right. that, I promise you, you will not look back and say it was a bad decision. Might you look back and, and been able to see a more optimal day or time to have sold? Sure, but you're not going to look back and say that was not the, the right decision. The majority of people care less about missing out on that last 5 to 10% than mm-hmm. they care about losing that 20 to 30%. Oh, yeah. that's absolutely true. Yep. Yeah. People are, the and human being is generally to. risk averse. Correct. So, you know, losses mean more to them than big gains. Um, one last thing, if you don't know the answer to that question, how much money do I need in the next 10 years, Jarrett can help you. Uh, it's called a financial plan, and, uh, you know, it, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Again, you can call us 770-429-9166. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, not all that difficult, but uh, sometimes you need a little help getting started, mm-hmm. and, and we can always help you with that. Absolutely. All right, so... That's going to be about it for a radio show, guys. Um, so we'll not not what happens you. next week, but what happens next year. Yeah, I think the market's up. Got to be a broken up. record. Got to yeah. be up. Yeah, Justin, come on. I mean, I got a side with him. There we go. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.